It is the Brotherly Love Podcast. Always glad to be with you. I am Joe O'Donnell. He is John Mita. You know us, you love us at Twitter. Be love at Be Love Podcast on Twitter. Uh, Johnny Mita. How are you, my man? Well, you know, I'm doing well, Joe. I mean, Philadelphia sports aren't doing that great. No. But um, other than that, you know, there was some big breaking news today, which I'm yeah. sure we'll get into at some point, but it's not the highest thing on the totem pole. So. No, you know what? I'd actually like to start with it because I just want to get it off the plate. Sure. And I'm going to say this. I So the Philadelphia 76ers got swept by the Boston Celtics in the NBA bubble in the first round of the playoffs. Watched about 90 seconds, the last 90 seconds of the game four loss. And I didn't watch any of game three and only a couple of minutes of game two. I did watch almost all of game one. And I'm saying all this because I was so apathetic by the time this series had moved along with Simmons hurt. I just, you know, they had little shot to beat the Celtics. But think about how geeked up we were for basketball and sports in general to come back. And literally, like, I have watched no NBA playoffs. I watched almost none of the Sixers. Because it was just disgusting. And for Sixers fans, some of you listening are hardcore Sixers fans. You know who you are. I feel bad for you. Because this was, you know, you could say embarrassing. You could say, This was as disappointing a season. I know the pandemic threw a pause and everything and everything, you know, the new normal and all these things. But as far as at the end of the day, the results from this basketball team to be the sixth seed, A, and B, get swept in the first round. I don't care who was in the lineup. It's just, it's brutal, it's disappointing, and you could put it right up there with one of the more disappointing seasons, for sure, in the Sixers in the last decade or so, given the expectations. But just across the Philadelphia sports landscape, given the expectations to come up this small and be this out of sync, and the reason we're leading with it is because they just fired Brett Brown, relieved him of his head coaching duties. To me, it's not enough. I mean, Elton Brand should be gone today as well. Anybody that's in charge... You know, you can't fire the owners, but anybody else, see you later. Your thoughts? Um, well, they said that they're going to make some front office uh, changes also in the statement that they released on Brett Brown. It said that basically he'll be in charge of operations, but I don't know if he'll be in charge of personnel. So that's also interesting caveat. There are some holdovers from the Colangelo era. Um, in the front office that are very analytically based as far as, you know, their ideologies, and they need to get zipped. Um, this is a disaster. If you were to ask me, go, what major, like the Sixers would be knocking on the doorstep. Yeah, there we, have, we had that conversation. Things. You know, we yeah. talked about who's and, closest to winning a championship, and exactly. I'm pretty sure and, we were both talking Sixers at the time. I could be wrong. Well, I mean, they were definitely the top two, let's say. Right. Now, as it stands right now, I think they're number four. Um, between them and the Phillies are right at three and four right now, in my personal opinion. And me being a huge basketball fan, it's just disheartening. What I saw out of the coaching was just disgraceful. You had guys not even be able to make a post-entry pass. And – the thing that was also bothersome, okay, they're going to feed the big guy. And Embiid did a good job of trying to carry the team on his back. But the problem is they didn't have any other pieces surrounding him. And, and specifically when I say any other pieces surrounding him, 
they need to find damn shooters. We don't have anybody that can shoot on this basketball team. You, you talk about Josh Richardson, an okay shooter. The mirage of Shake Milton. Everyone thought, oh, he's going to play point guard. You know, he ripped off 39 points against the Clippers. You know, to me, Shake Milton is it's a decent bench player that you can he, – he could be your backup point guard. But a lot of this is really going to come down to Ben Simmons right now. It's going to be what Ben does this offseason in order to become a top-five player. He doesn't have to shoot three-pointers. He just has to shoot the basketball. He also needs to go to the, the free-throw line more than five times a game. Look at a guy like James Harden. He goes to the line like 10, 11 times a game. You know, Simmons can average 16 points without scratching a head. Offensive rebounds, putbacks. But he could average 22 to 25 points a game if he just does a couple things. Just develops some type of mid-range game, and he goes to the free throw line, and he increases his free throw shooting percentage over 70%, which I don't really think that is that hard of an ask. If that doesn't happen, we're in trouble. If you look at this roster, there's probably only five players that I keep on the team as it sits right now. You've got to go Simmons and Bead, Tobias Harris, who came up extremely small for the amount of money he's making. Al Horford, the Albatross $100 million contract. Have to keep him because I don't think anybody in God's name is going to take him on at this point and just seeing what he is in this point of his career. And then I'd probably keep Alex Burks, that bench piece. Other than that, I'd probably get rid of everybody. I'd keep like five to six guys and get rid of everyone else. And the big question this offseason is, are they going to split this up? Or are they just going to get a new coach, try with a new coach, and see if he can get the best out of these players? But I, saw, I, saw, if, I saw an interesting take, Johnny, man. Sorry to cut you off there. No, that, a new, that a new coach, somebody that will hold, and, and some of these guys already yesterday, throwing you know, Brett Brown under the bus, like Josh Richardson, yeah. he's been there you know, 60 games when it's all said and done. He's talking about how Brett Brown needs to hold guys more accountable. I mean, you know, it's – I don't know that's the time or the place, to be honest. And on top of that, you know, it's its certainly damning on Brett Brown. But I saw somebody on Twitter a week or so ago that said, like, a new coach is what needs to happen. Somebody that doesn't know Ben Simmons from his childhood. You know, because Brett Brown was is, is friends with Ben Simmons – pops right and they have a relationship and they sure. they were together with uh you know on the australian team and what have you so like maybe that at the end of the day maybe maybe brett brown was never hard on ben simmons and forced him to change his game because he loves the kid to death it, it's certainly a strong possibility you know they got to go out and get somebody that's respected you know somebody that's just going to grind them I, I you know the name that's going to pass around right now and you know red alert for me tyrone lou I mean, you know, he's had some success. Yeah, sure, he won a title with LeBron. But he just doesn't strike me as the guy. Right. So, uh, you know. That's John, I mean, the... one, one more question for you here uh, before sure. we get off these clowns. Yeah. Does Joel Embiid want it? I don't know. Right now, it doesn't look that way. But here's the deal. The guy averages 30 points in. I know. Rebounds. He was look, like, again, and that's nothing. I mean, he can't. He can't play him. right. He can't play defense for him. And the other thing is, when he started getting double and triple teamed at the end of the game, they had no answer on how how they were going to combat that type of. You know, basically, Brad Stevens made the adjustments. Like, all right, this guy's not going to kill us. Right. So now we're going to send someone at him, just like we've seen that in the past. Like one guy's killing you. 
Right. And, and you don't want to get the ball out of his hands? Like, come on. Like, that's just like, it's just, I don't know. They need to, they, I don't a name that was thrown out there that my buddy Chris Sudak threw out from Pennsylvania, New Jersey, a brother love podcast listener. He said Sam Cassell. And I'm like, you know what? That's a great name. He's been an assistant coach for years, years in this league. He's definitely well respected because he was a player. He was a good player. Yeah. Um, he earned everything and, he got, too, as a player, right. as much and as I hate and, and I think he's the type of guy that wouldn't take any crap from anybody and just lay down the law. So. If they don't want to go retread, you know, pick up an assistant. I mean, I, uh, I don't know. And I don't know if you just don't try to trade and break things up. The problem is right now, Joel Embiid's window health-wise, you're probably looking at three years. Yeah. So if you unload him and then – but we all saw what happened. Like, Brett Brown decided to take the ball out of the Ben Simmons hand and try to make him into a power forward. And that just – that didn't work out. But, again, I, I don't know what to do. But this team is in some serious ass trouble right now. Yeah. Because they got contracts they can't unload. They got guys making made too much money. Everybody keeps reflecting on why did they keep Jimmy Butler? Should have signed Jimmy Butler. The bottom line is he's a pain in the ass and the coach didn't want him. Now, I wanted the guy, and I don't think he got along with Ben Simmons. So right. and they and they had to resign Tobias Harris because they gave up so many damn assets to get the guy. If you didn't re-sign him, you were left. The cupboard was really bare. Yeah, so, that's like 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 being left at the altar. You know, here. Yeah, so, uh, I don't know. Man. I it, can hear the despair in your voice. We've got plenty of well, time in the off season and more podcasts to yeah. get to it. But just because they fired Brett Brown just minutes ago, yeah. I figured, you know, be yeah. appropriate no, to start with them. Uh, the right. Phillies have added some bullpen arms. One guy, Workman, can't seem to work out, and getting guys out like he's already been brutal. Um, Hembry pitched yesterday. He looked went, like right. yeah, he won an inning and two thirds or whatever. He got, he actually got baseball players out, which was yeah. like magical. Your boy, uh, overweight Tommy Hunter. Did you hear last night on the broadcast? Matt Vaskersian on ESPN said Tommy Hunter is in the martial arts. I um, almost um, called you. Tommy no. Hunter is a no. martial. He's like a martial arts dude. No way. Stop. A martial artist, for lack of a better term. So he's an Tommy Hunter. He's an artist and picking up cheeseburgers and drinking <laughs> pounders of butt. That's what he's an artist. Tommy though. Hunter Stop has some type of belt, and I'm not talking about a large belt, the uh, colored he, belt. So yeah, he's probably still working on the white belt. John Mita, I would I would take you in a Tommy Hunter street street match. I got my money's <laughs> on you, buddy, just so you know. My, my uh, God. I mean Am I a little more frightened now that Tommy's the martial artist? Nah, I know I know how to get the Tommy Hunter. You know, <laughs> couple throw a couple fast burger cheese cheese throw a couple fast cheeseburgers at him. Hopefully. Some we'll, some butterscotch we'll crumpets in the alley. Oh yeah, yeah, give him some Johnson's uh, popcorn. So at yeah. least at least Clentac, for all his shortcomings, realizes if he doesn't make some moves, not only is the bullpen going to set every record, every dubious <laughs> record in Major League history. But he's also going to be on his ass looking for work when this pandemic shortened season is we over. We can only so. pray. So then, my question to you is, Joe, do you just wish the Phillies just just don't play crappy the rest of the year in order to kind of achieve a change in the regime? No. Well, you... I, okay. Yes. All right. If if it means <laughs> that they if Clentac's gone because they fall short, that's yeah. great. 
But you know what else? The other domino that's going to fall is JT Romuto is going to be like, peace, see you later. And that's what scares me. This guy's going to walk because, A, they've you know, butchered this whole start of the negotiations in our collective opinion. And then, yeah. B, like, why would he want to come back to a team that stinks and sign an eight-year deal? Because Bryce is begging him to? Like, give me a break. So mm-hmm. I'm worried about Real Muto walking because he looks at that damn pitching staff and the relievers that come out, and he's going, what the hell am I doing here? And that's the concerning part. So they got a win mm-hmm. last night. Alec Bohm is hitting the baseball. Still a little mm-hmm. bit to de- be desired there at the hot corner defensively. But he's hitting the baseball. The offense is producing. Harper's having a great year. Your boy. Reese has finally figured it out for at least a week or so. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, they won four in a row to get back to 500. Then they lost four in a row. And it's like, oh, I'm just so tired of this from this team. Like, uncle. Like, the division's mm-hmm. not that good. More teams are going to get in this year. If you can't figure it out this season, then, you know, when are they going to get good again? So, you know, at least they're making some moves. We'll see if they get back to 500 and go from there. But it has just been so up and down with this team. It's embarrassing. Well, I mean, it looks like they, to me, you know, looking at it, they got three serviceable starting pitchers, you know? Yep. And you you got Nola, you got Wheeler, and Eflin. You know, Arietta, goodbye. See you later. He'll be gone. Yeah, find your sleeves on the way out the door, too. Yeah. So, if they can find another starting pitcher, I mean, listen, if they fix the bullpen, they might not be in that bad shape. Right. They could make a jump. You know what I'm saying? Another year under Girardi, we get some pizzas mixed around, but... You know, whatever they got to do, they got to find a way right. to sign JT Room. And, I don't and, care and, what whatever, and whatever this whole luxury tax thing is with John Middleton, I understand it's his money, not mine. But you hmm. don't come out and say we're going to spend stupid money. And then when it comes to actually spending money that's going to cost you more money, as in hmm. the luxury tax, now all of a sudden, well, that's our limit. Well, that limit is not stupid money. Stupid hmm. money is we don't care about the luxury tax. We're going to outspend everybody in baseball to make this the best team. And they're not, they're not willing to do that right now. Exactly. We're going to outspend everybody. And, and we listen, when the team gets good and competitive again, yeah. and they're on that level, Citizens Bank will sell out yes. every game. Yes. Every you, game. You, need a, you need that four- to five-year window where you're in the playoffs every year competing for the World Series. And you'll be at the top of the town again. Philadelphia yeah. is very cyclical in that regard, like many sports towns. Yeah. You know, we love them all. But if the Sixers are making a run to the finals, you better believe it's a basketball town. If the Flyers continue this run, it's a goddamn hockey town. And it's the same for the Birds. The Phil- I mean, we know this. Like, just put a product on the field that the fans aren't going to be like, wanting to puke over. And you'll make your money back, for Christ's sake. Like, it doesn't seem like that big of a, you know, it's not rocket science. You yeah, should know this, that. you know, not you've that. got, but, but you can't, you can't just go. It's like the Eagles for all those years, all those years, just failing to address a certain position. You can't yeah. continue to do that. Like you're willing to put together a great offense and you're going to go spend money on Zach Wheeler, but then you're going to tell the GM, well, that's enough now. So then he's got to go out and, you know, some fault of his own, he terrible acquisitions, but sure. you know, you're not giving him a lot of leash there with money to play with. And the bullpen arms are inexperienced or retreads or complete waste of time. And it's, you know, they got to get it figured out. 
No, absolutely. There is no question about that. They, they have to get it figured out. And I think if it's a failed season, maybe Middleton gets some, some new leadership in here because Clintac's been here for seven years. He's a complete failure. My gosh, I can't believe it's been that long. No um, all right, let's have some positivity. The yes. Philadelphia Flyers are into the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs for the first time since 2012, which seems like that, that kind of blew me away a little bit. I was like, really? I, I did hear that, too. Right? It is I mean, wild. 2010, yeah. they went to the finals. Right. You're, you know, yeah. we're looking at eight, seven seasons, now into an eighth year with first-round exits or missing the playoffs. My God. Uh, Flyers fans deserve better than that. And, again, we talked about I think this is their best chance. Montreal was a little bit of a tougher fight than I thought they would be, but they were just so damn aggressive on their forecheck. They were tight defensively. They have a great goaltender in Carey Price. And so they made it a series. you got to give them credit. But the Flyers were the better team. They didn't even play their best hockey, and they moved on. Now you've got an Islanders team that's also stingy defensively with probably more skill than Montreal has, but still on paper the Flyers are the better team. Uh, I, I'm not worried about Semyon Varlamov, you know, outdueling Carter Hart over a seven-game series. He might have a game or two where he's better, but I think Hart's better over the course of a, of a long series. And we'll see if the Flyers' big guns can step up. That's been the talk from the national broadcasters to everybody down to you and I. It's not a secret. They need Konechny. They need Giroux. They need Voracek. They need Hayes, et cetera. JVR on the witness protection Coots. program. Coots. Yeah. They got to start finding the back of the net. And, you know, we'll see if some of the line juggling in game six uh, continues in game one against the Islanders tonight. Well, I mean, you know, the projected lineups on NHL.com, you got Raffle, Couturier, and Voracek, Farabee, Hayes, and Konechny. Uh, we had seen Lawton on that line basically all year. JVR, Giroux, and Lawton were that third line with Giroux at center ice. That's interesting. Um, but again, we saw that in game six. And then Grant Thompson and Pitlick. Um, so I, I like what Tyler Pitlick has brought. He's, you know, I wouldn't mind him sliding up the lineup a bit if needed throughout a game because he's got speed and tenacity and he's playing some of his best hockey. Uh, you get Niskanen back off the one game suspension. It's only game one tonight, John Mita, but how do you see this series playing out? Well, I mean, it'd be interesting to see if the Islanders come out with a little rust, considering it seems like they had a little longer layoff than the Flyers last game. Um, but this is going to be a battle. Uh, I definitely see it. I think this goes six games. I, I like the Flyers in six. Again, I just think Carter Hart is—he's just really playing well. He is very focused, and I, and I and I love the way the coach is pulling the strings. Right, Carter Hart was getting beat up in the one game. He pulled him out. Then what happened? Boom! And then came back, had a couple great what two shutout performances in a row after he got pulled. So. Um, I just, again, it, it, the, the big story is, listen, their power play is going to be a whole lot more effective than yep. it was against Montreal. Uh, you do like the fact that going into this series that the power play was getting a lot of goals. So that that's a good sign. But again, when you get in these deep series, you're into the second round, you're into these later rounds, you need your top guys to step up. You know, Claude Giroux, I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know if it's life in the bubble. I don't know what, but he really... He needs to light a lamp. He needs to light a lamp for his own personal confidence. Yep. It seems that he's not playing with a lot of confidence at all. So we definitely need to see that. The other guys, Voracek, Couturier, everyone's got to step up. Kevin Hayes is a killer during the season. He was coming on late, but 
And and I just and I love our I love our defensemen right now. They're playing extremely well, and it's nice that you know Niskanen will come back. Um, he didn't really have a great series, but look for him. You know, as we get deeper in the playoffs, to show that veteran moxie and leadership that he has on other teams. So, and and, and the coach, man, I think the coach is is a big X factor again. This team motivated. He knows how to push the right buttons, and I think. I mean, you got to love what he said about Gallagher after Gallagher got I know. I jaw love broken. Man, that was so savage. He comes down and says, well, well, the guy just didn't stop talking. He wouldn't shut up. So, I'm yeah. like, my God. I'm yeah. like, and listen, I twice in the it. series, right? And that's, not a, and that's not a Philadelphia sports right. fan statement. I don't but, know what but it is. But he took man. some of the pressure. I feel like all, it was gamesmanship both times. They yes. lost game two. He came, yes. you know, he came out afterwards and he said he didn't like Kirk Muller playing their top power play late in the game when they were down 5 nothing, right? And everybody's like, oh, Vigneault's whining. You know, they yeah. got to finish the game strong. Their power play needed work. Can't believe he's complaining. He wasn't complaining. He was yeah. distracting from the obvious, which his team was awful. You know, like I, yeah. I didn't look at that at all as a, as a complaint, as a whine. He's scared. No, he was just throwing some shade back at Montreal to get people talking about something other than the Flyers' terrible performance. And look, mm-hmm. the Flyers responded. They came out in game three and got a shutout win. You know, they mm-hmm. lose you know, a chance to close it out in game five with you know the late playing Gallagher's mouth all bloody and the Canadians end up winning. And, you know, he chirps Gallagher after the game. And yeah. again, it was just another way to get the media talking about something other than the fact that the Flyers didn't close it out. I mean, who knows? Maybe it wasn't gamesmanship. Maybe it just was off the cuff. But I, I, I loved it because, again, it, it, it felt like he was just throwing something out there to get people to stop talking about whatever else was really going on. And I, and I commend him for it if that was his play. Uh, when you look at the Islanders, again, you know, they've got, a, they've got a gritty fourth line with Cal Clutterbuck, one of the best names in hockey. They got Matt Martin, uh, who's a tough SOB, Casey Sezikis. They got skill on that third line with a, a Pajot, who I was just reading that the Flyers were in hot pursuit of at the trade deadline. That's J.G. Pajot. Uh, Beauvilliers burst on the scene. I think he's got like six goals. And Matt Barzell is as creative and quick as a player there is in the NHL right now, you know, not named McDavid or McKinnon. So the Flyers are going to have their hands full. But I read a good piece in The Athletic uh, by Charlie O'Connor who covers the Flyers. A lot of it was – you know, analytics and puck possession and who does what. But he said that the Islanders, you know, from what he can tell and the numbers bear out, that they will be a little less aggressive on the forecheck, a little less aggressive in the neutral zone, but they're going to force you to dump it in. They're going to stand up at their blue line, uh, and they're going to they're gonna hope you make turnovers for the counterattack. Barry Trotz is a great coach. He's got a Stanley Cup ring on his resume, and he has turned the Islanders into a contender. But Elaine Vigneault is just as good of a hockey coach. If the Flyers are patient, again, a lot of this is in that article on The Athletic from Charlie O'Connor. If they're patient, they've got a great chance to win this series. I think they do. I think it might go seven. But I like the Flyers to win it. I think they're a committed team. I really do. And they just have to get scoring from some of their top guns. You know, Giroud doesn't seem to have that burst. You and I talked about it off air before we got started. I just don't see that. Uh, you know, what, 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 has he controlled a shift or a period or a game yet? No. You know, and think back. I know it's a long time ago, but think back to that infamous shift against Crosby to kick off that playoff game. He hammers Crosby. He goes down the ice. He scores a goal a minute in. Wells Fargo's going bonkers. Flyers win the game. Like, 
you need that inspirational play from your captain. And maybe, you know, as his career is moving on, he's not going to be the best player on the ice. You know, if he's third-line center, it tells you all you need to know. But he can still be inspirational. He can still lead by example. He can still charge up the troops with a big play. Even if it's something like a hit or a shot block, he's got to get more engaged uh, if they have a chance to win this series. Voracek seemed to find his legs. Hayes was better in game six. I think the Flyers are glad to get out of that Montreal series, see a new team, maybe a little feeling out process early on, but I think they're going to be, uh, I think they're going to be just fine. Islanders are a quicker team probably, but again, the, the Canadians to me gave the Flyers fits because they just were buzzing up the ice, especially the Flyers on the power play. Canadians penalty killers, 185 feet from their net pressure in the puck. Not a lot of teams employ strategy like that. I think the Flyers will get a little sigh of relief that they won't have that type of pressure in their face, maybe it gives them a little bit more time to execute, make some skill plays. And again, I think if the big guns get going. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think, I think it's going to happen, man. I, I just, I'm confident. I think that matchup might, might've been the toughest one for the Flyers going yeah. forward. But, and, and just, I don't know just that, the style, listen, the style the Panth- of Montreal. The, right. And the Panthers are the Islanders have played the Panthers who stink. Like they right. had no business being there. And right. the Capitals, who have been in disarray since winning the cup, again, they lost, you know, they decide not to re-sign Trotz. He goes to the Islanders. They bring in Todd Reardon, who has it appears no pulse, you know, back there behind the bench, and the players did not respond. I don't think the Capitals were committed to winning that series. They were not willing to dig deep. The Flyers, should they be willing to dig deep, will win this series. Gotcha. I'm with you. Let me All ask right, you a real brother. quick Eagles question. Yeah. Any interest in signing Earl Thomas? <laughs> no interest in signing Earl Thomas. No interest in bringing back Nigel Bradham, who was cut today somewhat surprisingly by the Saints. I saw that. Uh, character people only in the Novacare complex moving forward. What about Jadavian Clowney? Any interest there? <laughs> I hate that guy. All right, I hear you. Johnny right. Mead, enjoy the game tonight, my friend. Enjoy All the right, series. you too, man. Let's get flowered up, everybody. We'll talk soon. You got your prediction for tonight? Yeah, man. 4-1. And Giroux, El Capitan, lights the lamp, baby. All right, Early. I like it. First I'm goal. Think you and I are on the same page with the 4-2, although in a game one, again, if that first period sort of feeling out process, it could be lower scoring. I've been going back and forth on sort of a 4-2. Uh, because the Flyers should break four out one, offensively. Four oh, 4-1. All right. Four I've been one. going back and forth on sort of a 4-2 where they break out offensively, uh, but also that 2-1 type grinded out nail-biting. I'm with it. Could happen. I agree. All right. Thanks for everyone listening. Appreciate it. All right, John Amita. You're the man, brother. Go fly, guys. Hopefully they take care of it uh, in game one tonight. Get off to a good start in the series, and uh, we'll talk soon, my brother. Sounds good, buddy. All right, for John Mita. Appreciate everybody tuning in. I am Joe O'Donnell. It's a Brotherly Love podcast. Till next time, we'll see.